This is Robin Frampton and you're listening to me on Above and Beyond. with another episode of Above and Beyond, brought to you by the Reengineering Australia Foundation, where we strive to engage, inspire and educate students, teachers and industry about the career pathway options that exist in the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics. We're driving to create the next generation of innovators who will build Australia's future. The communication and visual image a team projects spreads all the way across every aspect of any of the RAA programs they participate in. Starting with the need to communicate with sponsors, then comes a formal project verbal presentation, selling the team at a trade display, interacting with engineering judges, managing social media, and the face-to-face interactions they have with visitors. Unlike the measurement or testing process that happens at school, where students are usually tested on a specific subject area one at a time, the judging process within REA's programs has students assessed on a wide range of different commercial skills as they relate to a single project and can span engineering design, manufacture, portfolio development, verbal presentation, marketing, trade booth design, and scrutineering. Many of these areas are not specifically taught at school. Having to deal with judges from industry can force students out of their comfort zone, particularly so when the judging process and the questions being asked will vary between the judges. To help us understand the approach judges might take to ranking the areas of marketing and trade display today, we're talking to Robin Frampton. Robin is from Visual Connections, the industry association that represents the suppliers to the print, sign and graphics industry. Robin has been involved in judging marketing and trade displays at REA programs at a state and national level. I think I'm right in saying spend most of your life in graphics. So welcome, Robin. Thank you for taking the time to have a chat. Thank you. It's good to be here, Michael. Good. So your origins of being involved in with REA, I, I think they probably merged with the involvement of Visual Connections, but it'd be interesting if you fill us in on where that's started. Yeah, well, I, I first became involved on a hands-on level a couple of years ago when I took a marketing communications role with Visual Connections. As you said, that's the supplier association for the print, sign, display and visual graphics industries. But I've been involved in those industries for many years, for my whole career really. And so I'd heard a lot about the work done by REA and your involvement and connection with our industry over those years. So it was great to be involved finally and to see it all firsthand. So what's your impression of children or their capabilities now relative to what you may have had beforehand? It's always fantastic to see. I mean, I cast my mind back and I think there's no way I could have done what the kids who are involved in F1 in schools are doing now. As a judging group, we're all very impressed with the level of capability, with their skill set, with their communication skills, and just with the way they conduct themselves and present themselves. And they really do a brilliant job every year. And it's so impressive and so inspiring to see that these kids are really switched on and really taking some action to become involved and to build their future career paths starting now. So for the uninitiated, the areas that you're involved is in marketing and trade display. How does that all fit together for someone who's never been to an event? Uh, How does it fit together within the competition? Yeah, well, in in terms of how a judge might also approach both of those, because I think some of them cross over different areas that the kids are involved in. 
Yeah, of course. And look, I think that that is one area and, and the whole F1 in schools competition, as, as with other REA initiatives, is very much about how these things reflect what happens in real life. And that's the same, I think, with the marketing and trade display area in the, the F1 in schools competition. Marketing and communicating about your product is an integral part of the whole process, no matter what that product is. It doesn't have to be a race car. It could be an athletic shoe or it could be a, uh, a printed product itself. But the concept behind that, the design behind that, the brand, the construction of the brand and the marketing and communication around that are such an integral part of the whole process that it's really important and I think it's really valuable for the students to be able to see how that fits into the overall package, if you like, when they're involved in the competition. And it's very much about presenting what they've done and creating that point of difference for your team as opposed to the other teams. And that's what branding and marketing is really about. It's about getting your product out there. It's about creating a point of difference and creating attention for your brand and and for your products. Given that the teams have lots of different kids and they all have different roles, uh, do you see some kids really take to the whole marketing and branding exercise? Absolutely. And I think that those teams who manage to recruit someone, and maybe that's a tip for for teams who perhaps are are more passionate about the engineering side or the math side or the the construction side and and that very fundamental hands-on part of the process, which of course is what it's all about. But if you don't have anybody in your team and you've got a bit of a spot, somebody with that skill set can really bring a lot to your team because it's thinking about things from a completely different angle. So we do see some teams where we have students who are really passionate about design, who have really become engaged in building that brand and applying the brand across all aspects of what they're doing from their shirts to their posters to their to the cars themselves and the decals on the cars and seeing that consistently applied throughout the whole process and also about the communications, about mascots and and creating a real sense of who this team is and what they're about. It's always great when we come across someone as a marketing judge, it's always great when we come across somebody in a team that has that that passion and that real interest. In a sense, that's a it's a very emotive statement, in a sense, and, and we really, I think you've been talking about the A in STEAM. If we, we put STEAM back in, there's a, in STEM, there's a lot of art uh, and a lot of stuff involved in it, but that's uh, developing that, um, what's it all about, that feel or the instinct? How, how do you think students could approach that exercise? What, what's the mindset they might have to be in to be thinking because they've got to produce something that judges are going to like? Absolutely. And look, it doesn't matter what our area of expertise is. I think we're all we're all human beings and we all respond to things. And this, of course, is what marketers are specialists in. They they know which buttons to push. They know how people respond to, to certain things. And I think you can learn a lot and certainly students can learn a lot by going around and really taking notice of what marketers do, what happens in a retail display, how products are presented and all of those sorts of things. But I think that it goes back to embedding that process right from the beginning. So when when you're talking about a team name, I often think that some teams disadvantage themselves in 
the areas that we're judging because they have names which when you think about how do we express this visually how do we get this across to people how do we communicate what we mean by this that can be really difficult if you if you choose a name some of the names are extraordinarily clever but they're also a little bit impenetrable sometimes it's a little bit hard to to work out where they come from unless you happen to be a scientist and I'm a lay person so I, I work a lot with scientists but I'm a lay person and so are, are many of the people that you're uh, you, you're marketing to so it's about having having a message that people can understand so maybe that's even at that very early stage in the process when you're naming your team think how are we going to actually communicate this? How are we going to represent this visually? What are people going to understand? Do I need to go and ask half a dozen people what they understand by our team name? And does that need to be one of our criteria? Even going back then, because that makes your branding so much easier. If you can have a visual concept that sits easily with your team name, that makes your branding easier. It makes your communications easier. If people come and they read your team name, they see your brand and they go, oh, I know what these guys are are talking about, I know where they're coming from, then the communications process has already started. And that, of course, is what visual communications are all about. It's about conveying something without words or in very few words. And my grandfather used to always say to me, it's not what you say that's important, it's what they hear. And in a sense, what you're saying is that even the name is not about what you think for yourself. It's about what you think the market can understand about you and how it can tell you that story. That's Absolutely. lesson number one for the kids. Yeah, and, and then that's as, as a marketer or as a communicator, you've always got to put yourself in the position of the person you're speaking to. It's about who's my target market? Who am I trying to talk to here? Who am I trying to get a message to? What, what do they think now? What do I want them to think? And how do I communicate that in a way that uh, that will persuade them, that they will understand and that that will persuade them? In many instances, it's about, so you've developed a new technology. It might be an app. It might be a product of some sort. But the people that you're going to sell this to, the people that are going to use this are not necessarily going to understand the nuts and bolts of how you designed it, how you put it together, what the back end looks like. What they are going to understand is what's what's in this for me. What will it do? How will it make my life better? Will it make me go faster? Will it make things easier? Will it save me time? All of those sorts of benefit statements. It's about the outcome. So really understanding who your target market is and kind of that's the judging panel in this situation. But I think more broadly, what if my grandma comes to see this? Will she understand what's going on? What if a teacher from school comes to see this and they don't know anything about if one in schools, but they've come to support us? What are they going to take away from this? Are they going to understand what's going on? here really trying to understand who you're talking to and putting yourself in their shoes so that you can tailor your message and tailor your brand uh, your communications to where they're at it's not about you're quite right it's not about what you understand or what you have, have been doing it's about what they'll take away from that in a sense the judges I've just got a note here about judges and when the judges come to you they're not buying what you're selling one might say they're not, not there to buy a product as such they're to buy you as a team or as a set of people my, my perception when I walk around is that those who can take you from ground zero and give you a complete understanding from pathway they're the ones that seem to have always impressed me Absolutely. I think there's two things about that. And, and one would be a more general comment that I would make is that planning is really evident 
and the lack of planning is really evident. And, and that goes right back to the start. You know, what have you done? Do you really understand the process and how you've gone through the process of doing all of these things? Have you really thought through everything from the creation of the brand? And as, as we were discussing before, you know, some of the students are really passionate about the design and they can really articulate what the brand's about and why they've chosen this design, why they've chosen this colour, how, how they've put it together, what the typeface is, is designed to represent, all of those sorts of things. Others you know, don't get much past the, the point of we, we thought it looked cool and it does, but it's a far more involved process than that. Similarly, with things, even the more practical aspects, you know, what materials have you chosen for your trade display? Why did you choose those? Was it because they were light? Was Were they easy to transport? Were they sustainable? Was it quick to put together? The planning or the lack of planning becomes very evident when you start, A, when you look at the display, but particularly when you talk to teams. And so the first thing I would say is, you know, have those checklists, make sure the planning goes in, make sure the thought goes into those processes because you can't work backwards on that when you're standing on the display talking to the judges. You, you can't make it up on the spot there. The planning has to have been there in the first place and, and the rationale needs to have been there. But then at the point where you are talking to the judges, just do a little bit of planning. Who's going to talk to what? Who's going to say what about what process? Are you all going to talk to the bits of the project that you did? Do you know what you want to say and what you want to get across to the judges? Do you have, you know, these are my three points that I want to get across. So it doesn't matter what the judge asks me, I'm going to get across those three points. Be a politician, you know, have your points and stick to those points. Make sure that we know what you've done. We might know what, not know what to ask. You might have done something brilliant. If we don't ask you about it, you need to tell us about it. So know what you want to say and ideally, have everybody speak because quite often we find that there's one person who perhaps feels a bit more comfortable in that role and oh, I'm a talker as you can possibly tell and some people have that as a natural ability or something that they're more comfortable with others are less comfortable doing that but in business in life in your careers you're going to have to speak to what you're doing. You're going to have to explain that to other people and often to people who don't understand what it is that you've done. So take the opportunity, practice, talk to your parents, talk to your brothers and sisters, you know, make make sure that you know what you want to communicate, have a bit of a practice at doing it and then give us the benefit of that insight that you can offer. It's interesting here that you're driving the project planning process. It's interesting that kids, I don't think, historically, until they get buried into having to participate, they think about when they're designing their car, there's all these things we have to do and then we get to race them and we measure the time. But I think maybe logically they can understand those stepping stones. But what you're saying, the process of communication is probably even more complex and it runs through every single thing they do. I mean, even when they're designing their car, they've got to think about the, the, the appearance of the car and how easy it's going to put be able to put stickers on and labels. And That is kind of embedded in the whole thing. Yeah. So don't leave this and bolt it on to the end. Make it part of your planning all the way through. Because it is an important part of the whole planning process. And, and it's funny that more and more project planning is becoming important for all aspects of it. But certainly the communication is the one area that runs through every single area. It doesn't matter how technical you are. If you can't communicate it and you can't display it properly, it just is not sold. No one buys into the process. 
Absolutely. And I often get some of the work that I do is with um, medical researchers in the medical research field. And uh, again, some are much better at explaining what they do than others. But it's, again, it's, it's very much about the outcomes. You know, are we making a car that's faster? I can understand that. Are we making a car that's more streamlined? What do these modifications mean? What do they do? Why have we done it this way? And being able to explain that and just embed that whole communication across the process and start thinking about it, as I said, at the beginning and make sure that as you go through your process, you're really taking that with you through the whole process. Then by the time you get to the end, it's easy because it's already there. What's hard is to go back and, and retrofit that to the stuff you've already done. If we step to the process of the, the trade display, they have to build a trade display. When I walk up to that, I get a feeling instantly of what it's all about. Can you uh, give us some feedback on what students should do about laying out their trade display, making it visually attractive to people? Yeah, look, I, I think um, I've had a lot to do with, with exhibitions over my career. It's not just student displays that there's, you know, good, bad and indifferent. And I, look, I don't think I've seen a bad display at, at F1 in schools, but certainly some are, are better than others and some are more engaging and some are, are more interactive and easier to use. And I think, again, probably sound like I'm banging on about this, but it comes down to understanding and to really thinking through how it's going to be used. Where are you going to stand? Where are your visitors going to stand? What how are they going to access the information that's on the stand? Are they going to be standing in an aisle and looking at it? Are they going to be able to walk into your display? Do you need them to do that in order to see stuff that's on an ICT or do you need them to come in to, to the space or do you want to keep them outside the space and bring the display out to them? How are you going to make your car the hero of the stand? How are you going to highlight that? What are the tools that you have at your disposal? So it's about thinking through all of these things at the beginning and then overlaying, I guess, what the practical aspects of that's going to be. Am I flying from Western Australia? If so, something that's lightweight I can roll up and put in a tube and throw in the overhead locker is going to be far preferable, if we can fly that is, <laughs> far preferable to having something which is solid. And I know they take all these things into account, but it's a very practical thing. How long is it going to take me to put this thing up? You know, are the materials sustainable? Are there other materials that I could use that would achieve the same effect but would be more sustainable or faster or easier to handle and transport, which might not tear or bend or crease? So there's a whole practical aspect to it, but it's also about thinking through that, you know, how is this going to be used? Where are we going to be? Where are our visitors going to be? How are we going to step them through this? What do we need them to know? And how can we display that and make sure it's clear, make sure that it's easy for them to access and understand? Given that um, trade display, you have much less uh, space for language in the sense that in the portfolio, they're writing lots of, there's a lot of space for lots of words. On a, on a trade display, there's somewhat a limit because you don't have time to sit down and read everything. Do you have any advice about how they should use words or, or text or layout? <laughs> Yeah, look, I think probably the, the most important thing to remember is not tr to try and do too much. I think probably the biggest pitfall is trying to put a lot of information up. And you'll often see a, a display that looks like they've lifted what was in the portfolio 
and pop that up on a big poster. And it's actually too much information. It's too dense for a display. You've got to understand that if you're in an exhibition, say you're in a in the commercial world or you're, you're at a show, you're at an event, you're at an expo, you've got a very short period of time to grab the attention of a passerby and get your message across. So pages and pages of stuff is is not going to cut it. it. It's going to be too hard for them to digest and they're probably going to look at it and just say, oh, that looks like hard work and, and walk on to the next stand. So this is not what you want. So I would say be really intentional. What are the key things we want our audience to know? What do we want people to know? So that might be relating to your design process but take it and then simplify it, pair it back. What are the main, what are the key things? What are the, the five most important things or the five most important stages of the process? And how can we illustrate those in a simple and easy to grab way? And thinking about that, what do we need to communicate? And then how can we do that in the simplest and most direct way possible. Given that we promote a lot about working with industry and working with mentors, um, what what advice would you give them about working with industry? I mean, obviously there's a lot of people keen to help. How how much should they get involved with working with industry? Oh, I think as much as possible for a couple of reasons. I think one of the biggest mistakes we can all make, no matter what stage of our careers we are at, is, is thinking that we already know the answer to something. Nobody has all the answers. It doesn't matter if you've been working, you know, whether you're whether you're still in school or whether you've been working for more than 30 years like I have. You just don't know all the answers. There's always somebody who has a better idea than you. And if you remember that and you're prepared to ask questions and sit back and listen and ask for help, then you'll often learn amazing things that you would never have come across under your own steam. So industry are the experts in whatever area they're involved in. So ask them the questions. I mean, from our perspective, you know, visual connections is, is in the print and graphic communication space. If you're going to see a printer or a, or a sign shop, ask them about materials. Ask them what the latest and best and newest things are. What are the trends? How have other customers done this? How have other people approached this problem and what solutions have they come up with? What's the best example of this that you could see? And how can we implement that in what we're doing? And I'm sure that's true across the whole whole board, no matter what area people are involved with. These people are experts, so make use of them. And I think the other thing that's really important to remember is, guys, this is the first steps that you're making in your actual career. It's not like this is something you're doing now and then one day in the future you're going to have a career. It starts now. It's happening now. One of the best things that you can do for your career is make connections. You know, people talk about networking and that's a bit of a, you know, bit of a coloured phrase these days. You know, people don't like using it perhaps. But for me, it's all about making connections. Those connections can be really valuable. Start now. These people are the first connections, the first people that you have in your professional network. Engage with them, chat to them, ask questions, listen to the answers. Make sure that that you deal with them in, in a professional and friendly way. 
show them that you're passionate about what you're doing. They'll be passionate about what they're doing. I'm in a communications role. I spend half my life going out and talking to people about businesses, about the technology, about the research that they're doing, and then trying to condense that into to messaging that can be understood more broadly. And what I've discovered is that everybody loves to chat about what they do. Everybody likes to talk about their business and and their knowledge about their industry and their area and the techniques that they use. So often all you have to do is ask a few questions. They'll give you a wealth of information for your trouble and they'll go away thinking, what a nice young man or young woman, you know, what, what a terrific kid. You know, we must keep in touch. I'm really interested to see where they end up. And bingo, you've got yourself a good business connection. You might find yourself in 20 years' time going back to them and and still be going back to them for their advice and uh, and reflecting on where it all started when you walked through the door and asked them for a sponsorship for your F1 in schools team. So don't think about this as something that's going to happen in future. You, you're you're making it. You're building your network now. I think one of the things, and maybe I'm, I'm imposing my perspective of growing up at school on, is that we were, in a sense, taught that we had to do things ourselves and we had to isolate ourselves and, and you couldn't look at the examination paper of the person next to you or you'd be cheating and all that kind of stuff. And, and I think that builds in a thing that, that maybe if they talked to adults or talked to industry or talked to their parents, it's not their work. But I think we've got to try and get kids to understand that that's not the case in the industry. You go and talk to as many people as, as you possibly can. You, you pinch as many ideas as you can and use them yourself and that's acceptable and that's what we want them to do we don't want them we want to, to treat industry as a set of teachers to, to treat their parents as teachers to feed them information absolutely and you hear people talking about soft skills and and even within the context of stem or steam there's a real recognition that that those soft skills communication collaboration that's really important and it is i mean you don't find any field of scientific research or engineering design or any kind of manufacturing where there it's not the sum of a whole lot of input from a whole lot of sources. And they say that innovation happens at the intersection of ideas. Now, if you want to innovate, that means you have to put yourself in that place. And that means collaborating with other people. It means connecting with people outside your own areas of expertise and reflecting on how their expertise can inform what, what you're doing. And I think that that collaborative approach, so don't, don't look at industry as, as being people who are going to tell you what to do and that's cheating. Don't let them do it for you. But these are people who you're collaborating with. They're co-collaborators, so they're not imposing on you. They're informing your own decision-making and, and they're allowing you to come to a better solution. I think that perhaps reflecting on, I was, I was thinking about how uh, the finals in Melbourne this year was really the start of this whole coronavirus pandemic when we had to cancel the visit to the to the F1 Grand Prix. And 
that for me was a real marker point. And I think, uh, you know, when you reflect on what we've done over the past few months, there's not a, I think one of the, the, the main things that's come out of that is that there's not a more important ability than the ability to respond and to innovate and to think creatively about, about what we do, to be looking at what other people are doing and how they're solving problems and then bringing that into what we're doing and trying to find solutions for our own businesses, for our own families, for our own networks from what other people are doing. And I think that's got some real relevance in that this this is a, a joint endeavour take the opportunities and and take that collaborative approach because you'll end up with a better product at the end of the day. It's interesting, this period too has has, uh, created a thirst for for communication. And I'm sure if they came up with a solution to COVID-19 tomorrow, everyone would run down the street and hug each other. (laughs) In a sense, it's a highlighter that you really do want to communicate and collaborate and talk to people. It's a I mean, we're sitting in our office here and we're sort of going stir crazy because we can't go and meet people. That's quite frustrating, which is why I think communication is such an important thing. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, you said we'll find a a solution for for COVID-19. There's a great example. That's a collaborative endeavour. You've got people all around the world cooperating, sharing information, telling each other what they're doing and seeing how learning from what other people are doing. And without that communication, without that collaboration, we, we can't solve problems like this, nor can we design or engineer the best of anything, nor can we come up with the best marketing solutions and the best communication. So communications is so important. And I think in the absence of our normal channels, it's really put a spotlight onto <laughs> our communications, hasn't it? When we're, when we're zooming into people or catching up with grandma on the iPad and trying to teach her how to, how to communicate via these new channels. And it's made us very conscious of how we communicate and also the communication that we're missing. So I think, you, I think you're right. And that probably Probably, uh, probably plays well for for this part of the task in that learning to communicate is never a wasted effort because it will be important across everything that you do. Coming back to preparing for being judged, where does the concept of going out on a limb in your ideas, I mean, really going extravagant, how crazy should students be to get that communication going or should they pull that back in how it's always a balance sometimes they have kids that go do crazy things that just don't work to a certain extent i'd say that's okay if part of me wants to say give it a crack because particularly early on in the process there's no silly idea so perhaps the best advice is to go hard early and then rein it back in a bit. So get as creative as you like, because again, the the best ideas are often the result of a pretty open-ended, silly brainstorming session where maybe we could do this. What if we did that? Oh, this would be great. Get all those ideas because sometimes it's a pretty stupid idea, but it might make somebody think of something else, which achieves some of the same effect, but might not be quite so outlandish. I think the only thing that I would say about reining ideas in, because I'm I'm a big believer in, in creativity and, and innovation and in getting out there and being a little bit different and not being constrained by what other people are doing or the, what you think is the right way to do things, because there is no right way. What I do think, though, is that you need to then overlay on that 
what's practical and what you can actually deliver on because uh, in in business planning and in strategy and whatever, it's, it's great to have some objectives, but you've got to then say, well, what can we actually achieve? What can we deliver within a certain space for our trade display? Is that going to be too tough for us? Is it going to take too long to set up? Is it going to be too hard to explain? Is it going to take too much of our time and therefore take away from the time that we need to be putting into the car and putting into the design and the, and, and all of those sorts of processes? So be realistic about what you can achieve. You've got your schoolwork to do. You've got a whole lot of other stuff going on in your lives and and you've got to make sure that you're realistic about the time allocation that you can give to any one part of your project and how that's going to work in practice. But within those constraints, I'd say going out on a limb, again, it's about creating that cut through and achieving a point of difference. If somebody's going to walk around the corner and go, wow, what are these people about? You know, what, what, where did this all come from? Then you've already grabbed them, and that's part of that's part of the process. I mean, if you've grabbed them, you've already got their attention. Then all you have to do is use that. A key part there, I think, is coming through is that the buy-in or the going out on a limb has got to be going out on their limb, not on yours. Sometimes kids invent things that are out on a limb for them but have no connection with people. They've got to remember they're always dealing What if they're going to go out on a limb, it's got to be something that the other person bites onto, not them themselves. Yeah, and I, like you know, so the going out on a limb thing is great but it's, it's also got to be, and I think this is perhaps another aspect of what you were just saying, it's also got to be relevant to the product. You can't just do something random that has no relationship to F1, your car, your team, your brand, just to be doing something different. That's just a random thing. What what you need to do is be able to perhaps push the envelope but keep it within the bounds of what you're trying to achieve. Don't lose sight of the goal and just do something to create attention because it'll create attention, but it won't actually further your communication goals. A couple more things I'd like to ask. What are the biggest mistakes that you see students making in their approach to the exercise of being judged? Look, I think it probably comes back to that planning thing, having a checklist, checking the stand before the judges are due, making sure that everybody leaves themselves enough time and that you haven't got people running on and gasping for breath at the last moment and, and then having their heads all over the place because they're in a bit of a panic. Just making sure that, you know, the edges are pushed down and the Velcro is stuck on properly and the cupboards are closed and all of those sorts of little things that you know what you're going to say, that you've rehearsed what you're going to say. You know what your teammates are going to say. You've all got a clear idea of what you want to get across and if I get stage fright my teammate can jump in and say oh Robin weren't you going to say um weren't you going to tell them about the whatever and you can cover for each other having that coordinated approach being calm and considered and being able to demonstrate that you've you've done that planning you know what you've done you know why you've done it and you've worked on how you're going to explain that that preparedness really comes across And also drop the nerves. Honestly, we're probably far more intimidated by the the brilliant teams of, of young people in front of us than you should be of us. So you don't need to be nervous. We're fascinated to know what you've been doing. We're fascinated to know how you've been doing it. And by and large, you know, we're just so impressed by your abilities and 
and inspired by your passion for what you're doing. And so this this is a, a, a chance to demonstrate all that. It's a chance to show all of that. And that's the my favourite bit about the judging is having that chat and having and, and hearing that passion come out and hearing the way that you've approached the problems and, and that you've met the challenges. Just enjoy the process. You don't need to be nervous. We're, we're intimidated by you. Last question. What advice could you give to teachers that would help them help the students? On that particular aspect, perhaps do the run throughs of those of, of those things and maybe a little bit of coaching for some of the people who perhaps aren't as confident with doing that because often they've been really integral to the process but they just struggle a bit more to have the confidence to express that. But more broadly and from the whole marketing comms and branding kind of a perspective, really encourage them to get out and look at what's happening around them. I think that those who were at the presentation night might have heard me refer to our industry as the invisible industry or that we hide in plain sight. And it's true. We, we walk around and we sort of have blinkers on. We don't notice all the things that go into presentation and that go into marketing. But if you walk around the supermarket and you see how displays are made at the point of sale, to encourage you to buy things. If you go into somewhere like the athlete's foot and you see that the information they give you about how their shoes are engineered, as well as how they display the shoe, we can learn from all these all these examples. Even your sponsors, you go into the print shop. How do they communicate about what they do? How do they highlight the, the options that are available to you? How are, they, how are they marketing what they do? So just being aware of that, noticing it as, as they go around, I think if, if teachers can just encourage the kids to really think through. You're the target audience in this instance. How are other people communicating with you? Okay, now let's flip that. How Who's your target audience and how are you going to communicate with them? What's the most effective way of doing it? And what are the ideas that you see around you that you can implement in what you do to create the same effect? The one thing I've been thinking about when you were talking there is that you talked about the industries that print and graphics and signage being a silent industry. But my impression is that as we've come to realise the importance of communication, those industries are coming back to be mainstream and really have great futures for kids who want to get involved in them. I mean, it's really a huge industry and, and where it once was, you know, set it off and get it printed somewhere else, it's all coming back saying that has to be an interaction between the people and, and the object or the people and the sign. And, and just like these kids are doing, it's really got to be interactive and, and working with people. And to me, it's an industry that's on, on the growth. Uh, in one respect. Absol- and look, and that, that's a whole another conversation sorry, for okay, another sorry. day. Absolutely. And I think that part part of the thing, and it gets back to not knowing what we don't know and, and always being able to learn, I think that industry that I'm involved in, as with most industries, what you think you know about it is only scratching the surface. When you start to think about, when you think about print, you think about newspapers and magazines and books, but all those floor decals that tell you to keep 1.5 metres apart, all the standees where your hand sanitizer is is housed in that, that, that's the signage industry. You know, the decals on the floor, all the tags and tickets along all your supermarket shelves, the packages themselves, the barcoding, the technology behind those, the QR codes, image recognition technologies, all of these things are part of the industry and they're so integrated with what we experience every day that we barely notice that they're there. And it's the same with, with everything. Nobody sees what goes into the development of, of, of an F1 Formula One car. You know, there are so 
many aspects that go into that. And it, it is involved with supply chains and all those sorts of things, marketing, sponsorship, all of those things form a part. You don't see that on the day. You don't see that on race day, but it's important and it's it's embedded right in there. And I think that this this whole putting the spotlight on some aspects of, of print is one thing that we've we've seen over the past thing. Did you see the um the little printed people that they put in the footy stands? Yes. <laughs> because people couldn't be there. And one entrepreneurial printer said, rang the NRL and said, we'll print some people for you. And they did, and they put them in the stands, and that became a thing. That's so very, very it, uh, it, infamous it, people up there too in the stands. I saw. That's <laughs> right. There was some quite creative um, applications there. So it, it's interesting to see once you start, and this gets back to what I was saying before. Once you start noticing things, you can't then unnotice them. All of a sudden, you think, oh, and this package, and that carton, and those, you know, those fabrics. And it's, it's all part of a vast industry that has a, a massive amount of technology and R&D and product development and substrates and substances and inks and chemistry and all of those sorts of things behind it. There's far more there than, than what you see. Your job in presenting to the marketing judges is to make visible what you've done in the process and to make that visible to visitors and to the judges. And when you're looking at career options, have a look a little bit deeper into some of these industries and print and graphic communications is just one of those. And you'll find that there's a wealth of opportunities behind that facade that you've never even considered. And that that would be probably my advice going forward. Use this as an opportunity, understand what you're doing, and then make sure that you continue to notice and continue to look into things and dig a bit deeper as you go forward and as you're looking to build your careers. Well, that's been wonderful. You just made me think then that uh, how uh, marketing and communications gets inside you. And over the weekend, my daughters have, have had me watching Hamilton and, 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 and the music is buried in my head now. I can't go anywhere without having playing, uh, singing the songs to, to myself. And I think uh, uh, the concept of being able to communicate and sell and present yourself does get into the system and, and, uh, and you don't forget it, which I think is wonderful. Yeah, and this is a great opportunity to practice. Fantastic. So, so do it, yeah. Well, thanks very much for the opportunity to talk. I think it's been wonderful. And we'll have another chat about the um, careers side of things. I think it's important. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Our pleasure, Rowan. Thank you.